Hey guys, thanks so much for checking out the podcast. You guys have done a phenomenal job of supporting through season one and into season two, and I can't thank you enough. These first set of episodes are a little rough around the edges because I was still figuring out what the podcast was going to become. So if you haven't taken a listen to any of season two yet, I urge you to do that. But other than that, just strap in and enjoy the ride. We have had so much fun making this for you guys. Thank you so much. Hi, and welcome to the Nashville for Nobody's podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Gordon, also known as Story of Bob. And we have Tyler Deaver with us today. Tyler Deaver and I go back four or five years. We both moved to town about the same time. And we've been working together a lot during that time. And so when we start talking, we can talk for hours. And that's exactly what happened on this podcast. So this is going to be a two-part episode. Uh, First part is this week, and I'll release the second part next week. But I looked over and checked the clock, and we had gone way over and still had some stuff we wanted to cover. So next week's episode will pick up right where this one leaves off, and we can continue on from there. Um, He's got some new music coming out. He's got some fun stuff that he wants to talk about. And then we go over decisions that he made moving to town and a little bit of insight on some of the things you might want to look into if you decide to move to town or if you're new in town. So that's what's going on on the show today. I hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll go ahead and jump right in. All right, Tyler Deaver, go ahead, and if you don't mind, give us like the splash page rundown of who you are and what you do. All right, that sounds like a plan. Well, so like I said, my name's Tyler Deaver. Uh, glad to be here with my, my friend Bobby. And uh, Basically, I guess it starts where I grew up in southwestern Wisconsin, up there in the hills and the, all the corn and the beans up there. It's really pretty up there. It is. I miss it. It's pretty down here, too, in Tennessee, but I just, I think where you, where you grew up, it's just special, you know, no matter where you yeah. come from. And I miss the hills, and it's so pretty up there, and I was lucky. I think when you grow up somewhere that beautiful, you kind of take it for granted a little bit. And so having to leave, I was like, ah. Oh. And then you realize once you're gone, you're like, man, I should have paid a little more attention. I, mean, I feel that way about Tennessee. Like if I'm gone for a couple of weeks or something and I come back, I'm like, oh, yeah, this doesn't suck. Yes. It's it's just so pretty. And it's, we do take it for granted. And once you get out of the city a little bit, whether it's here or there, you're like, oh, yeah. It's I, it's like you, you see trees for the first time in a little while. Like, ooh, right. You're like, ooh, wildlife. I, I missed it. But, uh, but yeah, I, I grew up there in kind of the farm country and dairy land. Um, kind of kind of grew up, you know, singing and and participating in all the the musicals and plays and all that good stuff that wasn't as cool, you know, when you're in the in the moment it was, as a child. You know, the middle schooler is not cool to be in the plays, but right. it was one of those things where I kind of I was a little bit lucky because I was popular enough at the time where it was oh well Tyler does that stuff. So it's it's kind of cool, you know, and I was kind of lucky that way where it, I uh, I still fit in. Um, and so I stuck with it, which I think was important for me because I kept singing and I kept doing stuff like that. And that uh, eventually led me to uh, kind of really find my love again in country music as I got into middle school, later middle school, high school, got into country music. And then I started thinking about uh, moving to Nashville after college, and uh, my wife Stephanie uh, and I kind of decided to make that move. Uh, around 2015, we were kind of thinking, and came on down here, and uh, 
the rest is history. Kind of uh, been here for a few years now. Shoot, uh, over four, four to five now. Um, did not know what I was doing when I got to town. Yeah, uh, I think that's the same for all of us. <laughs> I was like, I always like, I hear those those things of people, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, like I I moved to town and I already had like a, you know six gigs in a, in a pub deal and like a, you know, and I'm just like, I'm like, get out of here. Like, right. It's either that or they lived out of a duffel bag yes. in their car There's for no like three between. weeks and then got a record deal. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, like I want to like, it's, it's at the same time it's difficult. So like I tip my hat to you, but at the same time, I'm like, man, that was not my story. And I think sometimes you just have to, I think everybody has to realize like, you know, I've always been me personally. I've always been a guy that it's going to take me a while to master something or like to get really good at something. Typically, it doesn't typically come natural to me. Very, yeah. very few things do. And so I'm like, I've always been a guy where it's like, I just got to practice a lot at it and hope that I get better through time. And it can be frustrating for, for people like myself, I think, because you see other people that maybe are so good at getting stuff naturally. And that's just never been me. And that's the same way with Nashville. When we came down here, um, you know, from Wisconsin to here and, it just it, it took some time. I worked retail for a couple of years down here just so I had a job, you know, and everything and tried to do music on Fridays and Saturdays. And that's actually how I ended up meeting you, uh, right. you know, which is funny looking back. And I had great memories, but at the same time, I would not go back to that time period. Same. And that, and that you know, oh, as you know, it's like some of those, the bars that we played and the, like, you know, everything smells like smoke and you're just, it's like playing smoky bars is fun for like the first two or three times. And right. then you're like, oh yeah, I don't like this. <laughs> well, I mean, when it's a level up from playing in your bedroom, then yeah, it's yes. great. But then once you've beat that level, you don't want to go back. Exactly. Which I guess is a good thing though, too, because I think, um, for any of us that, that want to keep progressing is like, I mean, that's what you got to have. Like, I think the people that, that don't have that, like they get stuck so easy. We all get stuck. But if you don't have that, oh, I want to do the next bar. I want to play this next place. That's kind of cool. Or I want to play that next song or learn it. If you don't have that, you get stuck probably forever, no matter yeah. what career you're in, especially in music though. Yeah. There's, there's nobody that's going to push you up to that next level. You have to climb for it. Mm -hmm. So I know you obviously as a country music singer, but because I know you personally, I know you have that rock and roll side. Mm -hmm. So, like, in middle school, high school, is that mostly what your soundtrack was? Was the rock bands and, like, the, the 80s stuff and, like... It was. I, I love, just like you said, I love that 80s classic rock hair band stuff was definitely, like, what my group of friends was super into. And I actually, you know, when I was younger, like, so, like, probably early middle school, I was in a country. But then once I got into that later middle school like that, I was so into Sticks and Journey and Foreigner and all those like classic bands that you see the, you know, the posters for. I went through my, my Kiss phase. I went through nice. my, uh, the Beatles phase, you know, I went through all of the different, um, phases that way, but I still love all that <laughs> stuff, man. It, uh, Sticks, I think for sure though, still my favorite like rock type band is still the Sticks. I, uh, Tommy Shaw is just awesome and he, that dude is still <laughs> singing just top flight stuff he is just unreal nice so in your like high school setting was was the 80s hair bands that was that like the popular thing was everybody kind of listening to that because in my school like the whole school seemed to hit like their pop punk emo phase mm -hmm. at the same time and so everybody was listening to that. Was it yes. that way with the 80s rock with it, you? It wasn't as much like our group of friends that we had, and we were kind of that, that weird in-between where like we had kind of a cool group because it was like made up of 
a handful of the more popular kids, but then like kind of the weird kids. And I was kind of like the crossover line between those two things. Nice. And then we, so we had a fun group, but it wasn't a lot of people in the school did not love other than the big, big hits. They loved, you know, don't stop believing, but that was about the extent of their knowledge. Um, it seemed like just like you said, a lot more of that kind of, um, and I like it too, but like, I don't know if for ours, it wasn't so much Foo Fighters stuff. It was probably more like, um, was a fallout boy. It was really yeah. popular. And I love, I mean, they got some awesome stuff. Like I love that stuff too, but that was more the, you know, when Mr. Brightside came out mm-hmm. and you yep. know, all the killers stuff, Nickelback was huge, you know, for, for that. Nickelback's always huge. Right? Like all the haters hate, but they, they, they owned a Nickelback album. They got good. They got good music. I like, I know every I like time, most of it. every time we do a Nickelback song on stage, like it goes over great. So like, <laughs> I think it's like, it's that weird secret, right? Like everybody like wants to pretend that they hate them, but I they think, don't. I think Taylor Swift is the same way. Like I think yeah. everybody, likes Taylor Swift they just don't want don't to because it. it's not cool yeah I think you're right I, I like her I especially liked her country stuff that you know that she came out with as well back in the day and but yeah it's like that was that was more the vibe yeah, like you just said T Swift was popular um, always seems like she is but the rock stuff was a little bit more like you know when you're at the like a middle school dance mm-hmm. and I'd go request like come on Eileen there was like six kids that knew it like right. you know the other kids are like looking like what did he was the request like what is the kind of thing and i was like right. yeah like i'm like well it's it's a it's a valid uh uh awesome classic rock song is what this is so get out of here get cultured <laughs> get cultured <laughs> all right so uh got out of college or whatever you decided you're moving to nashville what was the first thing going through your mind when like you, you know you're moving you've got a plan to get here what was your plan once you got here mm-hmm. my first step was i knew i had had, I was going to have a job when I got there because I had worked through college at uh, just Lowe's like improvement there, Lowe's home improvement store there in Plover, Wisconsin. I, uh, I'd worked there. And so like, like a lot of those companies, you can just transfer basically yeah. from company to company, which is, I was like, Hey, this way I got a job. I'm good to go. Yeah, I don't have to worry about it. And in hindsight, I wish I wouldn't have done that because you know, you move down. I think I had you know, like a week where we spent that time kind of moving into the apartment and doing all these different things. And, you know, that goes by so fast because after you get the U-Haul rented and I, I was right. all in a trailer behind it, we had so much stuff. And then, you know, that took for a few days just to get loaded and get settled, take the U-Haul back. And then all of a sudden I had to start work, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I felt like I didn't get that, that chunk of time. My plan was to basically, you know, get here, settle myself a little bit and then go check out Broadway. I had been there once before for Steph and I had came down to just check it out. I wanted to see if it was somewhere where I thought like I could belong here. You know, I could, I could fit in. I, I was talented enough for, you know, whatever, all those questions that all of us as artists has had, like, am I good enough? Can I, how do I compare singing wise? And you got to go right. see and, and see what you think. And, um, my plan was just to come down, go see people on Broadway. And I'd always heard from what I've done research at that point, I was like, Oh, go, you know, get to know a band and maybe they'll get you up and sing. And then, you know, um, the bookie manager is always standing in the back corner listening for, you know, you know, for, uh, for special singers like you, you know, when you come to town, so it's like, Oh, that's what I'm going to do. And, um, and there's nothing wrong with having those thoughts, but that stuff just doesn't typically happen. It might, but, you know, as we both know, booking managers are non-existent half the time. Right. Even when they're apparently there somewhere. Like, I, no, I, I was literally just fixing to say, I think we played second fiddle for like most of a year before I ever met the guy that books yeah, us. Yeah. So like, I never, like, I probably saw him run in and run out and never had a never clue. Knew. Yep. But he was always working on something else or yes. 
doing something that I assume was important. It looked important. Mm-hmm. He walked like it was important. Yes. But, like, yeah, I didn't meet him for a long time. And, and he's, like, a good one. He's a good he's, one. He's one that yes. you can talk to and mm-hmm. will, you know, be upfront about things yes. and actually, like, kind of point you in a direction. He does. He just also doesn't have time to sit there and coach you. He's, he's so. busy. You're right. I mean, there's so many. You think about the amount of people that he deals with, but you're right. He's a guy that... He's gonna. You care about the bands, you know. They, he'll take care of you, and that cannot be said for a lot of the other folks that we've worked for, unfortunately. Right. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but have you seen the video that's going around? <laughs> I have. Yes, okay. that is quite something, isn't it? Like, how does that happen? Like, how is that okay? I don't know how. Like, he just, you know, and how how are some people just so above everything? Because, like, even I'm amazed too that all the people defending him. Yeah. On, online and yeah. I, and I'm just like how are you defending this guy you know I, I mean I just don't get it and and for those listening that have absolutely no idea what we're talking about a video come out of one of the bar owners saying some not great stuff to the band and I'm sure if you google it you'll find it but yeah that, that there's definitely like that environment on Broadway in some of the places mm-hmm. where like there is no respect at all nope I, I think that's one thing too that that specific situation, and you know, it's it happens a lot. We've all been there where like a celebrity singer or somebody comes and they want to get up on stage and sing, and there's nothing wrong with that. That happens all the time. But the thing that I get a little bit annoyed with is that like just because of their star power, like all other like morals and values of the people that are there for their job, mm-hmm. they don't get any respect. And it's like that band, I was, you know, running through the comments, this particular band that we're talking about is a legit rock band, like a fantastic rock band. Guys that, like, pros, true pros that have played on Broadway for decades. And, and I mean, I've seen them play. They're fantastic. They're fantastic. And, like, you know, in this situation, a country singer is down there, and he wants to play a, yes, a country hit, but a a hit that these guys probably have maybe heard once or Mm -hmm. twice. And it's sometimes even great musicians like that, they, they can't just to be expected to like regurgitate this perfect rendition of a of a random country song even though that's exactly what people expect on Broadway all right. the time but like you can't expect that from a rock band when you're talking country you know one album side B hit number 1 you just you right. can't really expect that and then like the owner just goes batshit on them you know for not getting it right it's like man that's just not how it works no not at all and and bringing it back down to just like your your standard level of you know your everyday guy in a bar like how many times has somebody come up and been like oh i want this song and you're like oh man i don't know it no well it's only three chords you can play it <laughs> right. so, well there's no doubt in my mind that i can play this song but i don't know it yes. so i'm not going to right now yes so i don't it, I, I always want to get those people up and just like hand them the guitar and be like cool you play it you, it's you, only three yeah. chords yeah you see like you're like oh like oh well that always like baffles me too it's like man i know it to you you know the song but the ones that really throw me too is like when i say i've literally never heard it sometimes mm-hmm. like oh you can just like look it up on your phone i'm like that's not how it works like if i don't know the melody and i've right. never heard the song even if i look up the, the chords to it and the words i don't know what it's supposed to sound like <laughs> i really like if if our jobs didn't depend on us being good at our jobs, there's so many fun things we could like. You could literally strum the chord and just talk the words. Yeah. Strum the next chord, talk the words, and be like, "This is what it sounds like when you don't know the when song." You don't know the song. That's I mean that 
Kenny Rogers made a career out of that. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, that's not totally inaccurate. <laughs> oh, but anyway, getting back to the main story. So you're, you're in Nashville. You've started work. You want to do the music thing, but, like, you've also got to take care of yourself. you got to eat. you got to pay bills and stuff like that. What was your first step into the Nashville music world? Like, how did you get started? I think the the first one was um, actually meeting our buddy Colton Steele. Um, that was kind of the first one where I first started getting gigs, actual gigs with him. And we played, you know, the good old Smoky Bar out there, old Music City Bar and Grill. Right. They have new owners, and they've vamped it up. It looks awesome out Dude, there. Dude, it looks amazing. It's great. It smells nice. They fixed the bathroom stuff. It's like That's, that's amazing in itself. They got somebody in there that cares, and they got good ownership. They got a, a cool guy out there that books. They, 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 got, they did a very good job. And that was the first place we played, and we played it back in the days where it was still a cool place, but it just was very very outdated and it was pretty run down but we had a lot of great people that hung out there that dug the music that we did that 90s 80s country stuff and as you know it's like because you were there half the time we did a lot of that and i would sing high harmony with with colton because he's a fantastic singer so it was his gig and he'd be singing and so that helped me um get thrown in a little bit because out there of course we played so much classic country a lot of stuff that i didn't know you know coming mm-hmm. from wisconsin i knew the big ones i obviously knew johnny cash and you know uh, keith whitley and all the the classics that we we think of when you think of great classic country but there's a bunch of off the wall ones that i got thrown into and you wouldn't believe the times that that's paid dividends for me oh, because yeah. i get them requested so like we started there i would um at that point i was working at lowe's during the week uh, playing music city like Friday and Saturdays. And then it got to a point where we did that every week for forever. And I just didn't feel like we were going anywhere. <clears throat> We'd have a few Broadway gigs I'd play with Colton, but I was really trying to get in downtown. And he, he had suggested, you know, play those bars that we talked about. You want to play the stage and you want to play legends and second fiddle and the good ones. But you know, the problem is it's a great idea, but getting in is the problem. And so right. I didn't know what to do. And I had, um, a couple friends that played down there, Justin, Tiffany, um, play down there at second fiddle uh, pretty often and so I would go see them I believe on Tuesday mornings if I'm not mistaken I'd go catch them from 11 to 2.15 and um, had become I met them at a um, songwriting competition uh, in uh, Franklin okay. at one point and super cool folks great singers uh, um, they're a married couple and they uh they played. They don't play down anymore, which is too bad because they're talented folks. But uh, they would get me up, and I'd play a couple acoustic tunes, and um, you know, met a couple of the bartenders and everything. Part of me hoped that maybe you know this is how I get in. Maybe I'll get a gig this way. But it, I did that a few times, but there was nobody ever in the bar. That right. you know, the bookie manager was not there. Um, so I did that for a while. Um, but honestly, where I actually finally got my first band gig down there was uh, I had filled in for Colton that we were talking about. He was sick uh, mm-hmm. for uh, a good little portion. He was sick for a couple of weeks, and he didn't want to give up his gigs, obviously. He wanted his band to still make the money. And so he had told the bookie manager that, oh, like my buddy Tyler is going to come uh, cover my shift, and I did it for like a week solid. And uh, the bookie manager still never saw me play, but like I think he had heard at least enough that I didn't suck. You know, he's like, oh, this guy's yeah. not awful. Like, you know, he must be okay. And so then he had texted me and said, hey, like, um, you know, Colton said that you're filling in. He just he gave me your number. Just want to say, hey, I'm the you know I'm the booking manager. I'm your contact. This and that. And I'm like, okay, yep. And and then uh, we had went back and forth a couple times just because um, Colton was still sick, and I just texted him. And I'm like, well, I'll just tell him that you know 
Um, if you ever need a fill in, like I, you know, I'll, I can play for you. And, you know, I think it went really well today, this and that. So just, just let me know if you ever need somebody last minute, I'm, I'm around. And, you know, lo and behold, like two days later, he's like, Hey, can you throw a band together for tomorrow morning? I'm like, damn right. I can. And like, did I have a band? No. Like, you know, was it, <laughs> like, could I throw one together? I'm like, I don't know. You know, cause I didn't have the contacts, you know, right. um, but that was my first like initial throw in. I just went for it and I was like, well, I got to, right. I mean, you have to take that plunge and that's where I, that's where it started anyway. But man, I don't know. It's, I can't even remember on that particular gig. Um, I think you played drums on that one. If I'm not mistaken, I could be if wrong. If not that one, then definitely probably the next yeah. one. Because I started, like, mm-hmm. we, we, we started basically together. started it together. Yeah. yeah, I think it was you, me. I'm trying to remember if Jamie was there. I think so. I think Jamie I think was there. Jamie. And I want to say it was, was it Scott Lander? That sounds On right. On guitar, maybe? But either way, it was like, you know, that's how it, you know, it started. And then it slowly became, I think we got that Tuesday and a Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. Um... And I think, I can't remember if we had anything. And so I was doing those two shifts and I drove Uber for, and Lyft or whatever, all that stuff for quite a while doing that back and forth. Yeah. Um, and then I got, uh, an acoustic gig over at uh, Alan Jackson's bar there. Um, and then that's, as you know, like we started playing more and more and we started getting, you know, better, slightly better gigs sometimes right. and uh, more, you know, and unfortunately for us though, it seems like we'd always do like closing shift, opening shift, mm-hmm. closing shift, opening shift. So we were a bunch of ghosts walking around. <laughs> I was sick all oh, the time. <laughs> it was rough, man. I think about that. We, I mean, we did that for what? A year and a half, two years solid yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, and it, we were excited because I do think, and I don't know if, if you think this as well, but that first six months of, when I officially became full, when I had enough Broadway gigs where I quit driving Uber mm-hmm. and it didn't, you know, inside stuff that first six months to maybe almost a year of full time playing, you know, you know, it was you, me, Jamie, Nick, most of the time that was probably, I would say some of the best, best six months to a year of like yeah. my career life. Yeah. I enjoyed that so much. Uh, I feel like I'll never like look back on that more fondly. You know what I mean? Right. It's great. Like it's in, in, I mean that in a good way. It's like, I mean, it, it, it's in that time, like you could feel the progression. You could feel yourself getting better, the band getting better, and you could see it because you're getting better crowds. Mm-hmm. You're making better money. You're getting better gigs. Like that's that's the only time in my career where there's just been like this consistent climb where there was almost no like massive backtrack. Mm-hmm. And then like we hit that plateau and then COVID hit, mm-hmm. and then like everything since then has been like you're struggling to stay flat. Yes, like there, there's almost no room for progression. You're just trying to stay relevant, and so that's that's crippling me as far as like my mental health when mm-hmm. it comes to music because you're you're almost afraid to do anything to further your career because if by chance it's wrong, you might not have a career. Yeah, it wrecks it. There's no there's no like second chance all the right. time and no matter what we do it's like when everything opened back up like right after that initial wave of covid and like everything came back there was like this huge explosion on broadway and so many guys had left nashville yeah during the pandemic that i was getting calls for gig like i was getting calls for three or four gigs at the same time yeah. like i was able to pick and choose and i could work as much as i wanted to and then that started to slow down and I went out on the road and 
like Broadway forgot me. And so it's like I made a decision that I thought was going to further my career and got kicked in the ass for mm-hmm. it. So, I mean, and that that's that's still like the mentality, at least how I feel everybody feels on Broadway. Yeah. They're afraid to do anything. Yeah. Because if they miss that one gig, yeah. it could just be gone. It can wreck you. Yes, it can. And then in, uh, I guess even if you don't miss the gig, the uh, the building could get sold and you could lose your job overnight too. Yeah. Because that's apparently a thing that happens. Right. I, I still can't believe that. Like that. And you're right though. Like I think that's the most frustrating thing. I know any career you could argue that. You know, you might always have a little bit of fear in your mind of, oh, I might get fired today or tomorrow or, you know, and you're like, how am I going to, you think about you, all that anxiety sets in of like, how am I going to do this if I get mm-hmm. fired? But like you said, I think for a while there, I've gotten past it now, but I was, I could never allow myself after that first six months to a year, it went from like, well, now what? Right. Because right. I was like, Ooh, like, at first it's very like anything. It's shiny. It's new. I'm like, I'm getting to play music for a living, which at the end of the day is always awesome. Right. Like it's so cool. And we are, you know, lucky and blessed to do that, that we have the skills to do so. However, you get to a point where like, you still want to keep progressing and you get better gigs or go out of town more, like you said, but it's like, you're scared because if you piss off your booking manager, you can lose all your gigs. Mm-hmm. That people have lost gigs for less. You know, oh, yeah. even when you don't make them mad. And you know, it's, as we found out too, it's like we, we had you know, we played Alan Jackson's bar all the time. We were playing there three, four times a week sometimes, mm-hmm. and we were kind of like halfway a house band there. Um, and then we, after the, you know, the pandemic shut everything down, I decided instead of doing as much online streaming stuff as everybody was doing i i thought it was for me personally was a better decision to go work home improvement jobs do some side jobs with my buddy Mm -hmm. jared with his painting business um you know everything from residing houses to you name it but in the process of that without even knowing it i kind of cut my own throat because they basically said okay if you're going to do that and not do live streams with us we're pretty much just not going to hire you anymore. And a lot of places did that. So when we come back and we started, we, we, at the very beginning of the shutdown, we had about three shifts a week and afterwards we had none. Right. And and that's, you know, I get it. It's, it's turn. They do the same thing with bartenders at Mm -hmm. a lot of bars. They did it at the, uh, at all rubles clubs, not too long ago too. They fired everybody. I don't know a single bartender in there. No. Yeah. They're all new. And like, you're like, Oh, I, you know, there's nobody other than, maybe two bartenders at AJ's that I even know anymore from before, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and I think at that point it was one of the new girls is now like the tenured girl, you know, right. you know, and, and they're fantastic bar staff. Don't get me wrong. I love them there. We're very lucky where we have played. Um, AJ's has some great staff behind the bar and all the, the bouncers and stuff still to this day. They're awesome. And the same thing with legends corner everywhere too. They're great. I mean, not to call anybody out, but there's really only one batch of bars that, doesn't have a pleasant staff yes yes all right so so you're in nashville you're doing the nashville thing and career is career you're putting your time into that and boom you're having a baby how has that affected what you do when you do and like how your career is going yes yeah um, of course like everything else right like timing with you know we thought we were when we decided to have uh that we we're going to have a kid. We're like, okay, like, you know, financially we're pretty stable right now, as stable mm-hmm. as music can be. Right? right. And, you know, Steph has a, a decent job. So it's, you know, somewhat stable income. And then of course, you know, the shutdown right before he, you know, he, he comes along like, man, like talk about timing. That's just the way it is. So like initially it was tough because you're like, man, we're, you know, I basically, you know, nobody's got a job and we're kind of sitting here like, Oh man, like, you know, how are we going to make this work? And so I thought I kind of contemplated like, well, am I going to have to, 
just do home improvement stuff full time, you know, and kind of put music on the back burner. So that was the first thing that came to mind. And then as things started to open back up a little bit, I was like, okay, I'm like, you know, maybe we can get by with music. But as you know, I think the hardest parts are probably, you know, scheduling wise, like you said, I feel like my body doesn't know what's going on half the time because Mm -hmm. sometimes we're playing morning shifts. And then just like in the past, we're playing a lot of closing shifts. So, you know, and like those true closing shifts, man, they're rough on your body. When you're playing, when you're starting at 10.30 p.m. and everybody else is yawning out there and you're getting done at 2.30, but by the time, especially you get home, Mm -hmm. you're driving an hour plus. So, I mean, you think about, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, well, if he gets out there at 2.30, he's getting home at 3.30. No, no, he's not. He's like, we're getting paid. We have to sit sit around, wait to count our tips, get our Mm -hmm. money. And then it's, you know, go up to your car, try not to get mugged on the way there, you right. know, with all the crazies. And, you know, that's, I mean, you're you're talking, even for me to get home after a 2.30 shift, it's the better part of 4 o'clock. Yep. By the time I get home for you, it, I mean, it's, you might as well go start working on the docks at 6 a.m. because that's the time you get back. So it's like, and that, that wrecks your whole next day, in my mm-hmm. opinion, you know, because... Yeah, you can play that game of trying to get like four or five hours of sleep, but if you only get that much for an extended period of time, as you know, you become a ghost. You're like, you know, you're just looking like you're already dead or something, and we've all been there. And then you do those back to back to back to back, and you get like one off day. That was, I think that's the toughest part because when I was around with Lane, um, my body just couldn't handle it because I was doing closing shifts. And then for that first um, four months of him being born, you know, he, we, we weren't, didn't have him in daycare. So it was just like right. me and Steph taking care of him. Um, but Steph was working. So I would have him all day, but trying to obviously conjure up the energy uh, to like entertain him. And he was so young that, as you know, it's like at that very young first couple months there, they don't have like a lot of personality yet. They can't crawl around on their own. They're not, right. you know, they're, completely reliant on you like you know like so you have to and you know you can get like the little like the was the bumbo chair and all that stuff so we got all like toys and stuff and he's sitting there playing with the different things but you know one minute he's happy but then you know you have to obviously bottle feed him a bunch and everything because stuff is gone and Mm -hmm. so that was that was definitely tough it's but i will say it's gotten every day is better right because it's like in no way do i want to sound like he's a burden whatsoever it's like it's like a if it makes sense, it's like the best burden you can have, right? Like, well, and that—that's how I felt. Like, obviously, being up all night and then having to get up with a kid hurts, and it's not good for your body, and you feel miserable. But like, that's what you want to do. Yes. You want to be like, you almost get angry because you don't feel good when you're trying to play mm-hmm. with your kid, and like, like even now with a three-year-old, she'll come in if I've been up all night even if it's like up all night with her and then she wakes up early and she's like, daddy, I'm hungry. And I'm like, Oh my God, I am so angry that you want food. Right. And then I am so angry that I'm angry that you <laughs> want food. <laughs> it's natural though. Right. It's, it's insane. And, and like the amount of just like, I have to go work. I want to be at home with my child. Like, we had a great day. She's super playful today, and I've got to leave. And all I want to do is just like sit and cuddle Stay. and tickle and mm-hmm. chase her around the house. And it, it can it can really be a thing. And I mean, luckily, like I enjoy music and love playing enough to where like once I'm out and I get where I'm going and I set up, like I have a good night. Yes. But I'm still sitting there like, man, it'd be so fun if I was just like 
chasing my kid around right now. Yes, I'm, I'm with you 100 now. I understand that because I remember you talking about that before Lane came around, and you're right. It's like I, I'll be, you know, hanging at the house there with Steph and Lane, and it, you know, it gets later and later. I'm like, ah, I got to go downtown right now, and like mm-hmm. something that I would have been excited for a year ago you know, or a little over a year ago now before Lane came around, I'd been like, oh, you know, all right, go, go play. But like you said, I'm like, man, I'd, I'd just rather stay here and hang with the kid. Cause it's like too anymore. Now that we have him in daycare, um, when they're, you know, most of the time, it's like, I only see him then after I pick him up from daycare. Right. And so it's like, you only get a certain amount of time with him, but it is necessary to have him there because if I didn't have him in daycare, I would get literally nothing done. Mm-hmm. Like musically speaking, career wise, I couldn't practice. I couldn't write songs. I couldn't do any of that stuff. And that was the toughest thing. I think initially having him as was, it was basically four or five months of me not doing any music work other than playing downtown it, yeah. when they were open. And that was, that was tough because I feel like it felt like it was just, I was stagnant. There was no, you know, upward mobility or, you know, downward even, because I was like, well, I'm not writing everything I have. My same song catalog is staying the same. I'm, if anything, regressing in my, you know, practice of my songs and all these different things. So it's, that was tough, but I love it right now because although there's times where, you know, I'm going to opt to spend time with him and maybe I should be doing music stuff. I get a lot more music stuff done now because I kind of like actually can schedule my week. It seems like I know what days, I can do stuff, and I know what days I can't, you know, typically, unless, you know, it's life. There's going to be things that close, and, you know, there's umpteen outbreaks of sickness and all the kids, too, so they cancel, you know, they close the daycare yeah. half the time. So half the time you have them, half the time you don't. <laughs> right. No, I definitely understand. Like, you you have an idea of what's going to happen, and then that's not at all what's going to happen. No. Um, so I asked this question on – the first episode of the podcast, and I kind of want to get your take on it. Um, a lot of the Broadway artists that I work for that's been there a while and have kind of settled into the Broadway lifestyle, if you talk to them about furthering their career or their original stuff or anything like that, the big thing that comes up is, well, they're playing Broadway all the time, so they don't really get to focus on that but they can't not play Broadway all the time because they got to pay bills. Mm -hmm. So what is your reaction to that? Like, is that something that you feel pretty frequently or is it something where like they're just getting too comfortable? Like, what is your thoughts on that? I definitely feel that. And it's, it's frustrating. I've went back and forth on it because, you know, you talk to, I think we both known and talked to people that they don't do the Broadway thing because they specifically are afraid they're going to get stuck. Um, mm-hmm. Like we know, we know a lot of great, great musicians that there's some musicians that want to be career Broadway people and you can make good money that way as a musician. If you want to do that, I, I think for both of us, that's not, that's not my end game. It's Broadway was a tool mm-hmm. that I wanted to use to become a better performer, to learn, you know, and to continue that. And I feel like, Right now, I feel like it's I feel kind of stagnant where I'm like, ah, I need to I need to figure out what the next step in is. And I think that so many people get stuck on that because they're like, I don't know what to do, you know. And so like you got the people that play Broadway, they'll do maybe no original music stuff at all, you know, and I think they kind of set themselves up to fail if they want. If they if if their goal is to have people singing their song someday, they're not doing themselves any favors. And I've been in that boat myself. So, but then there's other people that they play the more like they want to get a pub deal, like kind of 
crowd. So they don't play Broadway much, maybe a little bit, and they probably, you know, play the writer's rounds at the doghouse right. and all those days. And I've, I've done, I've tried to branch that. I, I do both. A lot of people do both of that, but it's hard because I feel like you end up putting your foot like halfway into multiple circles. So you're getting stretched and pulled. And sometimes those songwriter circles are harder to get into than the, the Broadway ones. It seems really? like there can be a tough group to crack. If you're, if you're looking for like a specific group of like guys or gals that write a certain type of song, okay. it seems like it's hard to, I've had trouble getting in and like being buddy buddy with those people as much just because it seems like it's such a popularity contest with people and they like it's it's odd. Some people are super cool, but it it is a very odd feeling and I that's where I'm right now. I've been deciding like, well, you know, do I try to do the the pub deal thing and I've in my opinion I've decided that my music it's not it, it, not that it couldn't get played on the radio because a couple of my songs have gotten, you know, some radio play from stations and people that I know, right? For like right. friend of a friend type stuff or people that help you that way. But I think that more what I'm cutting, you know, it's more in the the vein of like Isbel stuff or Tyler Childers stuff where they're not getting radio time. They're doing it like independently backing that way where they're just getting a big fan base. And I feel like I have a better chance with my music to succeed if I do that versus if I push radio. And I think you kind of have to make up your mind. Do you want to try to actually put your money into like radio promotion and try to get you know, great commercial songs out there? And if so, you, your, your songs have to fit the bill of what's coming out on country right. radio. And mine are probably a little bit, you know, more to early two thousands country than they are today country. And that's just me being honest with myself. And so I think that's one of those things where, everybody that's in that situation has to look at like, where, like, where should I actually go? And I'm still, I'm still trying to figure that out because exactly like you said, I do feel like where I'm like, I feel like I'm kind of stuck on Broadway. How do I get off of Broadway? Where do I go? You know, can I make money elsewhere out of town? But as you know, bars, bars don't pay that much, whether it's for yourself or a full band, especially. Right. So it's, that's kind of where I'm at right now too. I'm still making that plan, but I have some ideas and thoughts heading down that direction that are, So do you think for like the average stuck on Broadway artist, do you think the problem is they're not doing enough or they don't know what to do? I think it's probably the, I would say more often than not, probably they don't know what to do. I feel like I find myself in that category a lot. And I, if you, if you let it and I have at times, it will cripple you, right? Because you're sitting there going like the hardest thing about music, I think is, you know, you can travel whatever path you want, but there's no, there's no correct or right. Like right or wrong until 10 years down the road. You say, Oh, I took the wrong path. <laughs> Whoops. Right. You can't, you know, you can't go back. And that's what other careers like that. It's like you work anywhere else. That's like a structured job, you know, Oh, I want to be VP. Like I have to do this, this, and this typically, or I have to work in this job to get to that one. It's a stepping stone, right? Or at least, you know, who you have to impress. Who, yes. Like who, who is I, in charge of yes. your next step? Yeah, and not saying that it's not difficult because it is. It still takes time and years and hard work. But I think the hardest part about music is you have to. You, there's so many things you could waste all your time doing something that doesn't help you in the long run, and you have to decide like which path to go. So I think not. And that's not to say that there isn't you know people that are lazy on Broadway because we both know people that oh, yeah. that like they just don't they don't take the time. To like whether it's to write songs, like they want to be a songwriter, but they don't write songs, or they, you know, they wanna, they wanna do, you know, a different 
type of music or something, but they never take those actual steps. And I'm guilty of it too. There's times where there's things where, oh, I keep talking about it and it takes me a while to do it. But if you can get into a good rhythm and force yourself to like actually take steps, it seems like that kind of helps solve the problem because it seems like for me, if I just keep taking those little steps, even if I don't quite know where I'm going, as long as it's something where I'm like, I know I have to do this and I just put my mind to it and finally just do the darn thing. Right. Then it helps me because they're like, okay, well now I'm here and then I can kind of see where I need to go. Well, that's a good segue into my next question. So if you don't know what to do and I mean, obviously there's tons of options, so it's not like you can't find something to do is doing something that's necessarily like maybe not the most efficient or right quote unquote thing to do ever a bad thing. I would say maybe sometimes it can be, I guess like kind of how I attribute that is actually like right now I'm looking at, I was deciding um, whether I wanted to put money into doing like a promotional video, like for myself to try to advertise how I'm going to try to play more backyard parties and stuff like that. So like my, my, the thing I can't make up my mind is it's like, I have some nice cameras and stuff, but I'm not a professional videographer or photographer. And like, you know, I can get a decent, acoustic you know mic sound stuff but it's like should i just pay somebody to do it you know right and get it done really right or should i do like my version of it that i think is good enough but then if i'm putting money in to promote that video i want it to be as good as it can right. be so like i feel like that kind of falls into that bill where it's like well if i do it you know if i do it and it's not quite good enough it was a waste of my time Mm-hmm. And I might waste money, pr- you know, promoting it to kind of thing. So I was kind of like to that just too. end up going back. And yeah. And then you're going to have to pay somebody anyway. So that kind of is what I think when you, when you ask that, because I think there is sometimes you have to maybe be careful and maybe for me that I might be getting a little detailed there. It might be kind of like any video is going to help you. Cause right. I think the one I'm going to make, it's going to be halfway decent. It's not yeah. going to be awful. You know, it'll be decent enough. But it's it's that cost benefit, you know, um, the pro con thing of like, well, if I'm going to drop a grand, I'd almost rather do it myself, you know, rather than spend a grand on it because I can use that thousand dollars to promote an album in the future, you know, which I want to because, you know, but I do think that sometimes, you know, if I wanted to be a, a solo acoustic artist specifically, you know, continuing Broadway for the next five to 10 years would not be a good idea, you know, or even a a few more years. And that's, that's kind of where I think people are like, just doing something is sometimes good, but it's gotta be at least on the right direction a little bit. So you're not messing yourself up. Well, I know like I view Broadway as a day job. Like that is my job that I go to, to make money. I'm fortunate enough that that day job is the career I want so it's it's helping me with that but like that's not that's the that's the working at mcdonald's if you want to be a five-star chef Mm -hmm. and so i'm still trying to figure out as a musician and not an artist how to navigate that and there are books and podcasts and information for days on suggestions and paths that you can take if you're the artist yes but i mean when when I'm looking at what to do to further my career, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to read this book about music business. All right, how to put out a song. Well, I don't do that. Right. Okay, how to, uh, how to front a band. Nope, I don't do that. <laughs> how, like, all this stuff, and it's like, all right, so that's not my job. Where's the information for my job? Yeah. yeah. And so when, when I'm stuck, 
like in my mind I'm just like all right well if I do something then it'll benefit me in some way that even if it just gets me in touch with another guy that gives me one show it was worth the time yes so I feel like and please correct me if this is inaccurate because I'm not an artist and I'm not trying to further that type of career but I feel like a lot of the guys they get stuck like they just they don't want to either put the time into the next thing that they could do or the money into it and I know like as musicians we're kind of pre-programmed like it's all do it yourself Mm -hmm. because we're broke yeah like we can't spend a thousand bucks on this so we got to figure out how to do it for 20 bucks yeah and when you get to a place where you're a little bit bigger and you're making money that mindset doesn't go away yes so like with me I think all right well I want to do a drum cover video. I can go into a studio with cameras, whole nine yards for like three grand and put out a three minute video. Or I can set my phone up on a mic stand and plug a couple mics in and make a three minute video for nothing. For free, yeah. And the quality difference is huge, but like that's that's how I'm programmed. Like I can't spend that kind of money because I'm not supposed to. Yes. And there comes a point where, like, you have to. At some point, yeah. You're right. Like, you can't, at that point, you don't have the skills, you don't have the abilities, you don't have the equipment, you don't have the reach, you don't have the power. Like, whatever it is, like, you need somebody else. Yes. And I think just from who all I've talked to and everything, I think that's kind of the paywall. Mm -hmm. Like, everybody's good up until this point. And then very few get past that filter yes. because they can't make the mental adjustment to like, all right, so before it was a career that you were trying to get paid, and now it's a career that you're paying to build. Yes. I, I think you're 100% right in that because, and like you just said too, whether you're a musician, you know, striving towards like maybe your goal one day is you want to be like a studio session player mm-hmm. or, you know, like maybe for other musicians, they just want to land a big gig with, you know, a big name band or something right. like that. Or, you know, there's, but like you said, there's, there's so many different paths, but like you said too, it's so frustrating because at some point, like you mentioned, you have to dish out some money for stuff, whether like for me in an artist cases, I'm deciding on whether I want to make a music video, like a legit, like high quality music video for one of my songs coming out. But like, I'm thinking about like, man, you think about that money that, I mean, you can shoot, as you know, you can pay anywhere from 1500 to $30,000 for, for a music video, depending Mm -hmm. on who you go through. It could be, I mean, you can pay what you want. Right. But like, if you want it, and I think for me, especially, and for you as well, I think you have to decide what you value. One thing I value as an artist, and I hope it it translates through like my content is like, I've been trying to really up the quality on my YouTube page or like on. And so like, I like things to look nice. I want like, I don't want anything that's bad quality, you know? And so like I've taken down, not that I wasn't like proud necessarily of the old videos, but I've taken down the videos back when I was learning to play guitar in, in college, yeah. you know, and I and I did like a cover where I was like, like this is bad, you know. It's so like I just kind of like take that down, and I replace it with a better cover, you know, one that I've gotten better at. And now it's like as I've gone, like I could probably replace those ones now. And it's like I want to have you know high quality lyric videos for some of my songs, and and so I'm like, oh man, it'd be really cool if I could get a, a really great music video. But you're looking at in reality, I'm assuming probably for what I would pay, probably. 
low end 2500 probably high end six grand you know mm-hmm. probably somewhere in that realm of where the companies i've looked at and the people i've talked to of like where they're at and it's like well is that worth it because that's the cost of an album of, right. you know, of that i've already paid for this album that i have coming out and so it's like okay if i'm gonna do that it's probably smarter like we talked about to promote said album with that money instead right. of doing a music video because you know, there a lot of things you can read and research say that music videos don't even do that well anymore. Right. But it's like, it's hard because I kind of want to make the music video for me. It's like, it's the song, and it's not even the most commercial song on the record. It's like the song right. that I want to make the video for, which is like, basically, I'm basically talking about like how, how many bad ideas can Tyler have, you know, of like, for like <laughs> what you're not supposed to do right. with your money. And that's what's hard because I think that sometimes you have to trust your gut, but then everybody else tells you like, sometimes you're wrong. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I could be, I could have way more reach probably on my album if I use that money to promote, promote the album. I mean, you think about $3,000 to help promote online or whatever, that's right. a lot of money to, to do that with. And it's stuff that it takes a long time to save that money. And, um, I was talking to, you know, our, our mutual friend, Matt Dyer yesterday about, um, like guitar videos on like TikTok and it would be the same obviously for you or any platform it didn't have right. to be TikTok but like your drum videos and, and he was saying you know it's frustrating because he's like when he's practicing he's so focused on the practicing he doesn't want to, have to deal with a, a camera and, and tape and stuff because mm-hmm. you know you worry about making content then you're not actually practicing right you're just right. like you end up wasting your time and, and it, I understand that because it's the same with me I want to sit and play and practice a song but if you want to you know take your videos to the next level you have to put out content Right, and it's like I think we get stuck because we're like, well, you know, I want to put out content, but my phone isn't good enough, so I'm just not going to do it, you know. Yeah. And I and I put it off, and I've done that. It's oh, it's frustrating. I mean, it and and like not knowing the the, because like if you put out a bad video, does it hurt? Like, I mean, obviously it's going to hurt your checkbook, but like, are you gonna are you gonna lose reach because your video isn't as high quality, or is there going to be something that you know that you didn't notice that it's technically wrong mm-hmm. and like you're gonna get ripped for that or i, I mean I, I feel like i'm nervous putting out drum covers because like i'm pretty sure i'm a good drummer like i've put a lot of work into it but is the guy that's a little bit better than me gonna point out everything that's wrong right. and then everybody else be like oh yeah you're right he's terrible right like i mean it's there's so like you can really get in your head and talk yourself out of doing all of the best things and when you don't know what the path is anyway it's super easy because you can convince yourself well that was probably just a really bad idea i'm not gonna do that yeah when in reality that might have been the thing that's what you need to do and i think you're right i think it's you almost have to play that game i was reading something the other day and i can't remember if it was who who was it was something a uh, maybe it was even a podcast i'm not sure a music podcast or something but he was talking about like you know people are they did like a study where people are four times more likely to say yes than than you think they are so like say i was going to ask mm-hmm. like there's a couple people right now where i'm kind of like i haven't asked them to write a song because they're they're great songwriters they're probably better songwriters than i am but i'm like man but i know them i'm friends with them and i'm like man i really want to write with her or i really want to write with him and i haven't i have their phone number i could text yep. him we've texted before but i put it off cuz i'm like ah, I'm like, you know i don't want to get there and they'd be like oh this guy sucks at writing you know kind of thing right. but at the end of the day if I want to write with them, I just have to send that text message and probably they're going to say, yeah, I would love to write with you, Tyler. Mm-hmm. And like, I've had that too. I've had that happen. And granted, 
I've had some where they don't get back to you or they, you know, forget or whatever, um, where they flake out on the day you write, which is the most annoying to me. It's right. like, if you don't want to write with me, tell me, but don't schedule something and then not show up. And I've had that happen. One chick did that to me twice. I'm like, girl, like, what are we doing here? I'm like, right. let's not do that. But I think that is, it's like that whole, if you can just do something, then you can see, like I said, you do one of your drum covers and put it up. It's like it might explode because I know you did those cool ones with like the Disney movies. Yeah. And like that's that's a that's a, a TikTok explode waiting to happen. You know, having like that cool it's like that I can't remember what his name is. You've probably seen him. He does a bunch of like, you know, Motley Crew covers and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And he's he's got like all the lights and the light up drum kit and stuff and it looks awesome. And I think a lot of times people come just to see what it looks like at first and then you say, Oh yeah, he's a great drummer too, you right. know. Um, so I think that's part of it. Like if you start doing them, then the more success you have, then you're like, Oh, I'm going to do this next time. And then before you know right. it, you start getting this awesome. And then it's like, you get your light that you have with your kit all lit up in here. And you get some of those like Edison bulbs and stuff. And people <laughs> are like, Oh man, like we got like a Hercules drummer over here is going, going nuts. Yeah. Like, I mean, I listen to a lot of like business podcasts and stuff and almost all of them, they're just like, the biggest thing they stress is like just do it Mm -hmm. just you you're good enough to do it if if you're in a position where you're thinking about doing it just do it Mm -hmm. and one of the ones that i have been saying for a long time and i heard it on a podcast the other day and it just kind of like reinforced it and hit is like anytime you want to do something new or like i've kind of been stepping my foot into photography and photo editing and I've been like real reluctant to like reach out to even like friends and stuff and be like, Hey, you want me to do like a family photo shoot or something? Cause I need the practice and it would be like a cool thing for you. Mm-hmm. You can get some nice pictures and I keep stopping myself, but like everything I read or hear is just like, you know, enough to get started. You probably know more than the guys that are already doing it. Yeah. And so just go. And anytime I'm in like, business coaching mode with any of my friends that are asking for advice or anything like that i'm the first one to be like no dude just go let's do it just jump in yes you know enough to get started that's all you need like you're better than the people hiring you mm-hmm. so that's what they want yeah and then when it comes to me and my career and my life i'm like mm, no not good enough <laughs> it's right yeah <laughs> no you're right we all we all do it too and like you said we kind of cripple ourselves and, and you know it, it it bites because like you think of the cool things that we that we could maybe have done or mm-hmm. we would have done if we would have and I've, I've tried to i also think I don't, I don't know how you feel about this i think a lot of things or a lot of a big thing that people don't talk about that i think affects every single musician and probably pretty much every person um it's just like our like day-to-day mental health of what's oh, going yeah. on in our head absolutely that, i would say what like after the shutdown and like i'm most people i'm sure you know everywhere in this country like it, it definitely was like messing with my head of like, man, like, you know, all the, all the doubts, all the anxieties mm-hmm. coming in. And I've really been trying to focus on like, how can I, I don't, you're probably never going to beat, you know, you're never going to have every day is not going to be perfect. Right. You know, there's going to be days where you're mad. There's going to be days where something bad happens and it gets to you, you mm-hmm. know? But like, I feel like if I could, my thought process was if I could get my head right 90% of the time. I've, I've realized how much more productive, obviously, right? Everything falls oh, yeah. in suit when I'm feeling good. And like these past, this past like solid month or so, like I've just felt great. I feel like I've got so much done. I feel like 
like accomplished. I'm like excited about stuff. You know, things are going well. And it's like, and it's, I attribute that mostly because like I've got my head screwed on right, right now. Yeah. But like, as we both know, I could get fired from my gigs tomorrow and it would like mess me up probably. And it'd be hard to bounce back from that. Things just happen. It's life. You know, it's not fair. I get all that stuff, but I think that if we could all just like get that where we can like almost master our mental health, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it's so tough. And that right now is what I'm focusing on is like trying to, I think what helps me a little bit too, is like the more I try to learn and it's not necessarily just about music stuff, but just in general, the more I like seek out knowledge, the more reading I do, the more podcasts I listen to about knowledge gaining, it makes me happier. I'm happy when I'm learning, which I guess all this is like, somebody's going, duh, you idiot. But like it, I just, I guess it's something I I got to tell myself. Something I never knew about me. Like I, I had a horrible school career. I hated going to school. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't start to enjoy learning at all until college. And then, like, post-college now, like, I legitimately seek out things. Like, if if anything pops up and I'm like, man, that's kind of neat. I know nothing about that. Like, that's a four-hour rabbit hole. Like, I'm going to learn about it. And I'm still not going to know anything about it, but, like, I've explored it. Yes. I've Googled it Mm -hmm. at the very least. And so, like, that's something that I've recently learned about myself, like, just in the last few years. But going back to the mental health thing, like... I don't know if it was the same way for you. I grew up in, like, a very, like, redneck, like, the southernest and, like, most old-fashioned county that you could probably imagine. And so, like, as a guy, you don't have mental health. Right. Like, you just, you wake up, you do what you're supposed to do, and then you go to bed. Like, you don't complain about anything. You don't have feelings about anything. Like... It was very much that you make your woman happy, and that's the end of your life. Mm-hmm. And that's unrealistic. Right. And I'm an extreme... I mean, we're creative people, so we have to be extremely in touch with our emotions and yes. our feelings. And that's not a switch. Like, if something bothers you, it's obvious. Yes. And so, like, I feel like there's this whole aspect of mental health that... I wasn't allowed to understand and still feel like I'm not allowed to understand. And I'm trying to break out of that mold Mm -hmm. so that it's okay to just sit down and be mad for 20 minutes. Yes. Or it's okay to like not be happy with somebody Mm -hmm. or, you know, anything like, yes, if there's a delay in traffic, like it's okay to be upset. You can be mad for a little bit. Yep. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. And you're right because it's, it's hard to, you know, like I'm, I'm lucky in like poor, my wife, my wife, Steph, I, I probably anymore, like since we've moved to Nashville, I probably complain so much more than I ever used to, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, <clears throat> I've tried to get better at that because I know it wears on people. Right. I mean, venting's good, but then there's a point where it's like, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta keep on cranking at some point too. But it's like you said they're like we can all be upset with things or like the you know the, the getting stuck in traffic or some idiot did this or like you know right. people you know is there's there's hate haters everywhere we go it seems like and it's like i think the the battle for us is like can you basically take the punches they're throwing constantly because there's always going to be no matter how the more successful you get there more haters are going to pop up i mean right. that's just the way it goes and so like the question is can you you know can you keep going and not let them like, like wreck you because like we're human. That stuff's gonna affect us when somebody says something stupid to you online or you know, 
knocks on your, you know, your new song. He says, oh, it likes I mean, there's It was actually kind of a funny comment, so <clears throat> I'll give that guy credit. But I, was, I did, like, a TikTok video of, like, when one of my songs came out. And I was like, oh, like, yeah, I'm like, uh, you know, just did one of those classic things, like, oh, like, help me blow this song up, you know. Right. like like And it's like, you know, it was cheesy because that's what everybody's doing. And, and then, like, some guy was like, I can't remember what he said. It was like he, you know, he dropped a couple, like, F-bombs. He was like, yeah, good luck, you know, good blanking luck on uh on like a an old slow country song like that or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. which he's not wrong, you know, right. but but so it was kind of, he just said something funny about that way, but it's like you know, yeah. You know, first I was like, man, like you're just like trolling around, just like trying to like knock on other people's songs. It's like, it just doesn't make any sense, but you get those people all the time, and so can I like keep writing songs without worrying about some idiot that you know isn't going to buy my song anyway? So why should I care what he right. thinks about it? You know, it's um. And again, like the business coach side of me is like, dude, you just can't focus on that. You just got to push. You do you and the people that like it are going to love it. And the people that don't like it were never going to like it. So it didn't matter anyway. Yes. But turn that around when it's you doing it. It you can't think like that. And I don't know like what the mental block is like, you know, you know. Yeah. Like you, you 100 percent know. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's, it's um. It's a tough grind. It's 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 really hard. I, I think that that it comes down to that though. If you can, if you can win that that mental battle, most of the time, I think that if you have you have to all the have all the pieces in place though too. It's like that's that's why it's so hard to be, you know, in anything to be highly successful. But you think about how difficult it is for us as musicians and singers and artists right now. And it's like I'm not trying to play the Crimea River story because like people are like oh like you play for a living like you know like shut up I you know work uh, you know a, a manual labor job and it's like hey I get it like I've worked those manual labor jobs right. and I chose to do this instead and try it and knowing that like I might ruin my financial future or not have one based on chasing this dream that's mm-hmm. like, that was my choice but I think that it's one of those things where people also don't realize like how much the odds are stacked against us in this business just because at the end of the day, like, you know, the the chances of getting a record deal anymore are non-existent. Plus you might not even want one anymore because they're so lopsided. I was was literally just fixing to say like getting a record deal means absolutely nothing nothing. because you're probably not going to put out a record. Right. They're probably going to shelve it and then they'll drop you three years later. And that's three years. You couldn't do anything because you were under a contract that said you couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And then you end up, you know, either in the hole financially mm-hmm. where you're paying them, which is ridiculous. Which is typical. Like, that's Tip- yeah. usually how that works. Nuts, like, if you're not three amazing albums in, then you're owing money. You're owing, which is just, I just, it baffles me how that works. And I think what frustrates me right now a little bit, um, just a, a hiccup that I keep running into is, like, so, like, radio play across mm-hmm. the country and, and something that people... You know, most people don't understand because why would they? But it's like you know, every artist that most of the the big ones that we hear on the radio, there is someone, mostly their record label, paying for them to be on the radio more right. than somebody else. Right. And people don't realize that, They're like, oh, because you know, it's in 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 their defense, you know, they're asking me, but they're like, oh, like, you know, Tyler, you know, why don't you, uh, you know, send your song to radio stations? Like, oh, I've I've went that route, but most of them can't play you or they right. won't play you legally. You know, some will, like the local stations will be cool and like back home. Yeah, independent stations. stations but yes. most of the radio stations that everybody listens to are owned by the same handful yes. of companies and they're literally handed the songs that mm-hmm. they can play. Yeah. 
I, I was talking to um, a uh, a guy that works with radio promotion and and different chart you know charts and like obviously we like what down here we have like the like the music road chart and different yeah. ones and it's like it's a money game not that some of those artists aren't fantastic because there are there's some great songs on there of people that we know friends of ours but that being said it's like they're talking about how there's people that even if their song is even if one song's performing better then you know a is performing better than c mm -hmm. but c has its curb records is paying for artist c so they bump a even though it's doing better from an indie artist and they put c at the top because yeah. they're paying for it and it's like that just to me is just it's slimy you know well, that, that's like and this has probably been like the hardest thing for me to kind of wrap my head around coming from the charts and a radio perspective is the amount of times like any like major radio station the amount of times they play the new luke combs song is completely dependent on how much they're getting paid right. to play the luke combs song the way they determine the chart placement is how many times they play the luke combs song so if if a major label picked you up right now and you release the most trash god-awful song and they wanted it to be number one, they buy it. They could buy it. They'd do it. Isn't that nuts? Like that's that's what country charts are. It that's why me. there's that's why there's a new number one song every few weeks. Mm -hmm. Or the artist that they want to be the artist gets to sit at number one for six months. Yeah. Like it, it's literally like it has absolutely nothing to do with music. It has absolutely nothing to do with fan base. It has absolutely nothing to do with anything except money. Sad. And I mean, technically, I guess it does have to do with fan base because if the fans are buying the album, that's then pushing that. yeah. the record label is fine spending the money to make number whatever. But at the end of the day, it's that one executive's decision which song is going to be the top country song in the country yeah. regardless who even likes it i just i feel like it takes it takes the uh it takes a little bit of like like validity i guess out of it in a little bit like mm -hmm. it makes it less quality too i feel like because it's like you can just buy your, if you have enough money it's like i can like i can buy myself a record deal it's kind of right. like and nothing against kane brown like i'm nothing against his music it's just not my style but it's like he was basically like an online test run is what he was right. they said let's basically pump millions of dollars in this and hey he became a huge success good for him like that works i wish they'd do that with me you know like right. I, i'd love to try that i'm nothing right. against him and, but I, it's and crazy. I mean in in like his defense like he had a career before that yes. and he was doing well on his own and then like that's how he was selected mm -hmm. so like i i don't i don't take anything away from him like he earned it absolutely he just also fell into the right place at yes. the right time and that's that's what this career is and mm -hmm. that's going back to moving to nashville which is what we talked about before on the podcast and kind of touched on here is like what to do like the reason nashville is important for most artists is because it opens up chances to be at the right place at the mm -hmm. right time and like if i'm in possum track kentucky there is no right place at any time yes you can be playing if, for years without if i somebody. go to, to louisville kentucky there's a couple of places mm -hmm. that maybe have some times every now and then but like nashville the right place is everywhere yes. and the right time is all the time and you just have to be there all right i'm gonna go ahead and end this episode right here 
uh, and we'll pick up with the second half of it next week. Like I said, when Tyler and I get to talking, we kind of just keep going, and we definitely had a lot of fun catching up and talking about music and life and everything else this time. So we're going to continue that next week. I hope you guys check it out, and remember, it's never too late to tip your bartender, and do not forget to tip your band. <laughs>